welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. If you've been listening for a while, you know that we've been renovating our attic and it is finally done. So for any of you who have undergone renovation projects, you know how nice it is to have your house back. So I'm really excited. If you want to see pictures of the new attic renovation, it is on my Instagram at hormone.health.doc and also on my Facebook, Heather Hirsch MD. And today's episode is going to be all about adjustment in midlife and at menopause. So I always say that there is a dueling change in both our physiologic, that's our hormones, our body's changes that we just can't control. And then there's this psychological component of midlife and menopause, which yes, certainly we can control. But in today's episode, I want to go over the adjustments that we make in midlife and at menopause. Now, this is a little bit of making a assumption of probably natural menopause or the idea that menopause is in your 50s or early 50s or mid 50s. But I know, and I'm the biggest advocate of this, that many of you are not in your 50s. You might be in your 30s. You might be in your 40s. And of course, some people go into menopause in their mid to late 50s. So certainly I'm kind of making the assumption that this is an adjustment that happens in midlife. So some of these scenarios may or may not apply to you. But do think about how this change certainly can affect the psychological component of your psyche. All right, let's get into it. But first, a word from our sponsor. Your daily skin routine includes facial moisturizer, eye cream, and body lotion. So why ignore your most sensitive skin? And I think you know what I'm talking about. Femme Pharma's products ease vaginal and vulvar dryness. Their non-prescription products offer intense hydration with ingredients such as hyaluronic acid and vitamin E. I actually have been recommending their product since I knew about it a few months ago to a lot of my patients. It's FDA-cleared personal lubricant and moisturizer. It's applied internally with a single-use applicator that delivers just the right amount of product to hydrate your delicate tissue of the vagina without dripping or leaking. The moisturizer is applied externally to hydrate the delicate tissue of the vulva and relieve painful dryness, itching, and burning. Check out both of these products for relief without grief at femphama.com, and that's F-E-M-M-E-P-H-A-R-M-A.com. Thank you, Femphama, for sponsoring today's episode. So one of the things that seems to be no secret about women is that we put everyone before ourselves. And certainly places like social media have done a lot of work on self-care Sunday. I did a whole episode with my good friend psychologist, Dr. Natalie Dottillo on self-care and not just about making it for a few hours on Sunday, but implementing self-care into every single day. But certainly this becomes 
really difficult to do when we are raising children, when we are climbing in our career goals, when we are setting up a home, when we are working on a marriage, heck, when we're potty training a dog. It can be really hard to put ourselves first. One of the biggest adjustments I see for women going through the menopause transition is children leaving the home, retirement, taking care of elderly parents, and realizing that your parents now need your full-on support. Women also find that they are reorienting themselves with their partner and also with themselves. And these are some of the big things that I see during the menopause transition, which really tend to compound the effects that the physiologic changes are also happening. So at the same time, as we're trying to adjust to all these changes, you know, we might not be sleeping, we might be gaining weight, that might be frustrating us, we might have anxiety or depression, and all these things just accumulate at the same time, which is again, usually for women going through natural menopause, that menopause transition. But again, your menopause may be in your 30s or in your 40s, and adjustments there are realizing that your friends around you are still having children or have young children, and you are menopausal. And that is a really big difference. So there's certainly adjustments no matter what age you actually go through menopause. So let's walk through some of the things I've seen, or I tend to see a lot with some of these different scenarios. Number one, kids leaving the house is, well, for some women, awesome. They're so excited to like have a clean house again or et cetera. But besides for all those sort of silly things, having your children go off and leave is a huge adjustment. Now, personally, I can't speak from personal experience. Many of you may or may not know I have two little kids. They are ages two and a half and four and a half. So I don't have clear experience with children leaving. The only experience I do have is listening for hours to my patients who really feel that void when their kids do leave particularly if they really loved being a parent. Now, I say that we all love being a parent, but I mean love being caregivers, really enjoyed every stage of their children, uh, very involved in their children's um, growth and their autonomy and their balance, and all of a sudden, all the things that they've actually taught them uh, come to fruition. And they certainly can look around and feel that during the day, now that kids are off at college or they're working or they have their own families, a big void because they loved those decades, right, that we spent rearing children and really taking care of them. As children grow up to be adults, we really do have to let go. And I know this is coming my way someday, and I will ask all of you for advice then. But we do have to let go a little bit. And I think that part of what's hard about letting go is realizing that we, we, we don't know what else we can do with ourselves. We have to reorient to ourselves, whether we are retired or we weren't working or we're now going to go back to work. How do you fill that time? How do you fill that void where you spent decades raising wonderful humans? 
And of course, there's just the separation anxiety. And then there's also the anxiety of what goes along with, we all know, or we don't want to know what kids are doing off at school or off at college or in their early 20s. Certainly is a decade of exploration for most young adults. And it's hard to sit back after you have just been deeply involved in their day-to-day experience down to when and how they brush their teeth to allow them to have that freedom. Now, most of my patients know that this is the this is the path and this is the right thing, but it doesn't mean that it makes it easier. One thing I have to say is that if you're having a really hard time with this, really seek help from a licensed a psychiatrist, psychologist, or social worker. It is so helpful to just get your feelings out and just have a safe space where you can talk through it. And it is really, really helpful because for a lot of people, they have a really tough time when children leave. So recognize if this is something that's really, really hard for you, definitely seek professional help. And I'm going to give you some ideas next. Other things that can be really bothersome is retiring. Now, women don't necessarily necessarily retire in their 50s. Sometimes I see women retire because their menopausal symptoms are so severe. And we we actually know there's tons of research on this uh, by a colleague and a friend of mine, Dr. Phil Sorrell, who was a professor at Yale, has done a lot of research on the economic downfalls of women because of untreated menopause. So this is actually, you know, a public health issue. Some women certainly retire or they cut down their hours because they're not performing well at work. And I did a whole podcast on women and menopause and work a few episodes back. But also some women do retire. They maybe realize that they no longer like their job or they didn't like their job for a long time. And now they have the financial ability to do so. They're very excited about it. But all of a sudden when we retire, are, you know, 30 to 40 hours a week that we previously spent doing something else. You know, as humans, we tend to like to be somewhat productive or have some schedule. And retirement can be a huge adjustment for people. Sometimes women retire because of disability or chronic diseases, and that also compounds it because they may love their job. They may miss their job. They may want their job back, but they're still physically trying to get to a place where they can go back to work. Retirement is another thing, just like kids leaving, if there is a lot of uh, angst there or if there's a lot of anxiety or depression about how to fill your now days that you previously spent filling for most likely someone else, unless you were your own boss, go you, you know, seek, seek help. And it really help in this term really, really more means uh, a safe place to just talk and walk through your feelings so that you can come out better on the other side. A lot of us are also now reorienting ourselves with our partners. So interestingly, uh, I've been giving some a lot of sexual health lectures recently, which is awesome. I love being able to teach our medical students and our residents about sexual health. And uh, sexual health tends to really decline in our 40s. For the majority of women, 40s may be a time where we're deep in child rearing, we're, you know, working our way at our jobs, we're busy cleaning our house, we're just trying to survive. Um, and I know that's that, that I can say from experience. And so sexual health really kind of goes into the decline, but women actually don't care <laughs> because it's just a matter of priority and both partners are usually trying to survive. 
But then once you get to your 50s, typically then um, children might be leaving the house. Now, if you're an older, uh, if you were older when you gave birth, like me, you know, I'd probably be in my 50s and still have kids in the house. So I might not be till my 60s, till kids leave the the house. But uh, that's when uh, sexual health concerns come back. They kind of bubble up because all of a sudden you look around the room or the house or the apartment and it's just you and your partner. And so that's when we're reorienting to our partners and that life that we may have lived before children. And if you didn't have children, certainly still in that middle part of your life when you're working at your career, maybe you're, um, you know, building a new house, you're renovating a new house, you're starting a new business, you're doing so many different things in that time. It's really a few decades of just really go, go, go and being really productive that when you start to slow down, you think, oh yeah, what, what? did we used to like to do? Where did we used to like to go? What should we do? (laughs) What, how do we, here's a big question. How do we want to spend our retirement? Do we want to sell this house and live on the beach? Do we still need to work? Um, And so all these questions certainly can come into play. And so you're reorienting yourself with your partner. And you're also reorienting yourself with yourself. Because again, for majority of women, we've been taking care of other people, other things. And now we have the time to sort of sit back and say, what do I want to do with the next decade of my life? Who do I want to be? What do I want to achieve? What do I want my legacy to be? And certainly we don't need to answer all these questions, but they might bubble up. So there might be other things, again, if you're not in your 50s, like I mentioned, if you are younger, you're thinking about, you know, do I have a different family goal? Do I have a different family idea? Um, is my partner understanding or also on board with what our medical situation is? How do I cope with friends who may be, you know, pregnant and I'm menopausal? So there's certainly a lot of different scenarios. And my younger patients are also struggling with how do I feel like a, you know, 20, 30, 40 year old in, in at, at this point in my life when I'm in menopause. So it's not just for women in their mid-50s who are reorienting with themselves and with their goals and with what they want to be. So I jotted down a couple of ideas and things that I have come up with in working with many of my patients through the through this the psychological changes of the adjustment that we make around the same time as menopause, and hopefully they will be helpful to you. If not, I'd love to hear your ideas. You guys know I'm always welcome to hear your comments and your thoughts. All right, I'll be right back. I just want to remind you that my course, The Complete Guide to Menopause, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know, Your Doctor Never Told You, is available for you to take online at your own pace. This six-hour course that I created covers everything you could ever want to know about menopause. Ideally, it's like sitting with me in an office and having a long conversation about menopause, the definitions, the facts, and the evidence behind making the right decision for you. In this course, I really walk you through how to come out of this journey feeling confident and successful instead of 
confused and frustrated, which is what I find so many women go through and why I became a menopause doctor and why I created this course for you. If you want to learn more about the course, simply go to my website, heatherhirschmd.com slash course. All right. So not being a bona fide psychologist, psychiatrist, or a social worker, I'm going to jump in with what I find to be ideas that have worked for some of my patients, or at least ideas that you can kind of think about to see if they might fit with your personality or your goals. So one of the big things, again, I think is reorienting with ourselves and reorienting with who and what and the legacy that we want to leave behind in thinking about who we are. So here's a couple of my ideas. The first is you could always volunteer. Now, volunteering, of course, is such a wonderful thing that so many of us always want to do. We hear about upcoming projects. We hear about the need in this community or through our church or wherever it might be, a flyer at Starbucks, and we want to volunteer for that 5K or hand out water, whatever it may be. And now is actually a really good chance to do so. And certainly with the pandemic, there's probably been less social events, but I hope, it is my sincere hope, but not making any predictions that in another 6, 9, 12 months, the world is just so excited and re-engaged to be together again and doing more things uh, socially. So there should hopefully be a lot of options for you to volunteer and or at the same time do some of the charity work that you want to do. So this might be if you are really good at uh, needlepoint or knitting or you're really good at art, you can actually tap into the hobbies and the, uh, the, the things that lit up your creative brain, and you can do some charity work around those. And that's also really good brain work. So when we think about a healthy life post-menopausal, one of the things we want to think about is staying active um, physically, but also mentally, um, and as well as continuing to make new and reinforcing old social connections. So volunteering and charity work are something that definitely will check both of those boxes. Another thing you might want to do is get involved in politics. Now, politics has gotten a bad rap in the last year or so, or maybe longer. But, you know, that's just because it's been very polarized and it's been a heightened time of sensitivity here, at least in the United States and and probably globally with all the issues that are sort of coming to head uh, with the stress of the pandemic. But it doesn't mean that we should shy away from politics. I don't talk about politics very much on my podcast or really on my platforms because I don't think that politics should play any role in healthcare. But it is something where I'm suggesting if you want to get involved in a campaign or if you want to get involved in something that you care about, now is a good time for you to be able to really dedicate the time needed to do so, the time to rally people together around ideas around philosophical issues that you think are really important for the community that you live in. So I think it could be a really great idea, a really great option for you if it's something that you've wanted to do. On the other end of the spectrum, written down right underneath that, I have get a pet. (laughs) So 
I think getting a pet is a phenomenal idea because there's actually a lot of science to show that animals uh, keep us healthier. They decrease our blood pressure. They can decrease our stress and our anxiety. Now, being a pet owner, that's not always 100% of the time true because they're going to chew up your favorite shoe, they're going to pee on your rug, and they're going to wake you up at 545 on a Saturday morning. But It's so great to have a pet, not just because of the unconditional love, but especially for those of you who loved caregiving. And again, you know, we all love caregiving, but there's a spectrum to everything where it was just so delightful to uh, be so involved in the growth of another human. You might really like being involved in the growth of your pet as well. Because pets are wonderful. You can train them. That's something I wish that we had a time to do before we got our dog. And actually, she's been very quiet during this episode. So um, maybe she knows I'm talking about pets and she's trying to throw a good word in for the rest of her fellow four-legged friends. But pets really are a great way to really give love to something that you get to be with and see and grow for many, many years to come. And of course, any kind of pet doesn't have to be a four-legged furry friend. It could be, uh, well, I'm drawing a blank as to what other pets there are besides cats and dogs, but there's probably plenty. Um, you know, don't make your own zoo or anything. But certainly getting a pet can be really, really wonderful. You know, especially too with getting a pet, there's so much to learn. Uh, There's so many books you can read. There's so much to prepare. Um, It's really exciting. And it can really, again, light up that part of your brain that is learning new things, that is taking on a a new topic. If you've not had a pet before, or if it's been a really long time since you've had a pet, you're reorienting yourself to how to train dogs and what's new in 2021. Uh, in terms of pet care. Of course, you know, the internet is full of options as well and mail and things. And so it just gives you so much that you can do having a pet. In my experience, having two dogs and two babies, I think, you know, training that pet, or at least when they're a puppy, was was very difficult. But it's, again, difficult in a loving way that's going to fulfill that need to, if there is a void, to fill that void. So I've had many patients get pets or ask me about getting pets. And of course, I'm biased. I have one and I think they're wonderful. Another thing about especially dogs is they need walks. And of course, that is just perfect because I know you're going to get out and get some walks and get some exercise. And not only for the exercise, but just getting a walk first thing in the morning with your dog, because I don't think cats take walks, Um, you know, getting outside and getting with your dog and taking a walk and breathing that fresh air and seeing the sunshine or bundling up and getting out in the cold is mentally a really great thing for you. So pets really, I think, do force us to, to stay healthier because they need us and we have to be there for them. So pets are really, really great option. And another thing along that line, you know, I think all of these things that are really good for us sort of fall in the bucket of learning new things, uh, doing new things, using that brain in different ways. Those are all really good for us as we go into the next several decades and we really want to focus on healthy living and healthy aging. It's really about using that brain just like any other muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. So being able to use it in different ways is also really uh, a positive benefit from, you know, doing some of these things. So the next thing I have is learn, do, travel, explore. 
So this could be so many different things. Learning could be learning a new language. If you're going to travel somewhere, traveling is a great way to, you know, certainly fire up new neurons, make new connections in our brain, work on a new language, plan where we're going to go, um, be excited about something, look forward to something, have to think through how are you going to get from the airport to uh, where you're staying, etc. So I do think hopefully, like I mentioned, hopefully in the next 6, 9, 12 months, we'll be able to travel again. And I do imagine there'll be a big boom because people are so excited now to be able to do those things that we have had to kind of uh, not do for a, a good year or more. So exploring and exploring could be simply something as going on a hike to that reservoir or doing, um, you know, going up to uh, ski somewhere, even just in 45 minutes from your house that you have never been to. <laughs> I can say this also from experience. There's so many places in the Northeast. It's so fun to be able to explore. We can go south, we can go north, we can go hiking, skiing, the beaches. There's so many places that you don't have to necessarily travel to a brand new country and learn a whole new language and, you know, get your passport updated. You can certainly go somewhere in your own backyard and really explore so much of the history that you haven't been able to see over the last, you know, one, two, three decades. And there's also so many things we can learn that's new, like learning a new instrument. I hope you hold me to this, but I used to play the piano. Uh, No, 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 let me clarify. I dabbled in playing the piano in like fifth or sixth grade. And it was because I had an absolute obsession with the Phantom of the Opera. So like, raise your hand right now if you loved the Phantom of the Opera. I loved every song from it when I was like in the fifth grade. And you know how you get really psyched about one thing and that's all you can think about. So my parents enrolled me in piano lessons. And the teacher was, of course, trying to teach me how to do all the little, you know, tricks with your fingers. And all I wanted to do is play Phantom of the Opera because I had that book, that piano music book, and that's all I wanted to do. Well, let's just say I didn't stick with it past Phantom of the Opera. Once I could play that whole thing, I considered myself accomplished and moved on. I can't read music anymore or play anything besides for like chopsticks. So it is my goal to reorient myself with playing the piano whenever it is that I retire. You, I love my job, so I'm sure that will be a difficult adjustment for me. So one of the things I'm thinking about is learning how to play the piano. So for you, if it's playing a new instrument or picking up an old instrument, if you used to play the flute or the violin, you know, picking up that old instrument that you used to have and reorienting with yourself. What a wonderful thing. Perhaps you loved baking. Perhaps you loved cooking. Perhaps, you know, there's so many hobbies that you could have had that you've had to put down for the last, you know, one, two, three decades that you can certainly try and pick that hobby back up again. Another thing that you really could do is to reorient yourself with your faith and jump back into your religion or learn about religion if it's something that you have not been able to do in the last few decades. I, again, don't want to spend too much time on this. Just like politics, I think that these are topics I really do care about, but they don't play a role in talking about health. So I you know, tend to just leave them out here. But I do just want to say it's so wonderful to be able to feel back with your community, with your church, with your religion, that if you feel like you have been out of that sphere for a while, go ahead and jump back in. 
Ultimately, remember, as you're moving from focusing on others to focusing back on you and definitely also your partner, this can be a really happy time, but it can also be, again, it can invoke some feelings of stress or anxiety or so many other things. So I really want to say if you need someone to guide you, if you need professional help, if you want to seek uh, help from someone to get you through just the adjustment of everything, the initial part, please do so. A great place to get help is to go to psychologytoday.com because when you go to psychologytoday.com, you can search by your zip code and hopefully a whole page of folks will pop up. You can click on their individual profile. You can see their picture. You can see what insurance they take. You can see what they specialize in. And so that's another place that you could go to if you do need help. And really, I, I highly, highly recommend this. Uh, I do this so many, many times and have had my own wonderful personal experiences. So really, it is a great resource if you need. And hopefully, we're really turning the tide of understanding and accepting mental health and the term being that it could be something as simple as kids leaving for college. And it doesn't have to be, you know, big diagnoses like uh, suicidal thoughts or anything like that. It, it is such a range. And they all fall under that term mental health. But really, if you feel like you need someone to walk you through, listen to you, guide you. It's a great thing to do. So go on dates, journal, reinvent yourself, um, volunteer, get a pet. There's so many ideas here. And I'd love to hear if you guys have others. So you did hear my dog barking. So I spoke too soon. She has since gone uh, uh, to the back door and is trying to find the mailman back there. So thank you guys, as always, for listening in to the show. New episodes come out every Wednesdays. If you love the show, please share it with a friend. The show is growing so fast and it's because you are really finding these episodes valuable, sharing them with friends, colleagues, sisters, etc. Post them on your social media. If some of them are really, really uh, super helpful to you or always go ahead, feel free to leave a comment or review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps the algorithm so that other women who are Googling and searching for menopause answers, which they do almost every minute of every day are going to land on something that is evidence-based and factual. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I love being with you every week and I'll see you again soon. Bye.